All right, all right, all right. What time is it, Katie? It's time for the True Wealth Radio Show. Welcome to your favorite Tuesday afternoon program you've heard all week. And we are super stoked that you are joining us, where today we are talking about how to live the American dream. It's going to be... Part three. Well, it's been a multi-part, but this year, I got to tell you something. I am going to skip over the markets. Because? Because we get sidetracked by them all the time. And I'm like, all right, let's not cliff, do that. Cliff note it, bottom line it. Cliff note, bot- what do you mean? Bottom line, markets are doing good. Right, like, ev- are everything's solid. going up. Everybody's happy, happy. Yeah, nobody's mad. All right, we're good. So there you go. Okay. There's the market recap. So... <laughs> If you're more Still concerned about your stocks, time. log yeah. in online, check out your portfolio. You'll and check figure this out. Like- I haven't done this for a long time, but today, I think it's working, Facebook Live. What? I know. I actually got it to work at the 11th hour, last second, uh, literally during the intro here. But uh, hey, if it we're going to stream live minute. on Facebook, so you can go check it out if you want to see us live. And then uh, I'm not going to try to answer comments while we're going. All right, So just don't expect that. But if you have questions and you want to throw them through... By all means, give us the questions. But so today's topic, we're going to cover, though, again, how to live the American dream. And we got to cover some bases here because I have a crazy idea in my head that uh, I may actually do some writing on this topic. What? I know, I know. Well, uh, a lot of folks don't know this, but I have a journalism background. No, I think a lot of people do. You mention it quite a bit. Then some people may know that I have a journalism <laughs> background. Uh, it's funny, though. I didn't ever want to go into journalism, per se. I wanted the creative marketing side of things. And then, lo and behold, I found myself in numbers. And then the question is, why? And the answer is somewhere in number four of our list today. Okay. okay. So, uh, first of all, I want to let folks realize one key thing here, right? And that is the American dream is really not i mean that's a it's a concept it's not a thing right like it's not the same for everybody it's a concept not a thing yeah the american dream is not like oh well if you get this stuff you're like all right i've got my uh three and a you know my my two and a half kids and a dog and a house with a white picket fence that's really cliche and old school that's not the american dream anymore that might have been the dream in the 1950s right the american dream has evolved a lot and it's important that now there's actually i think a really broad spectrum of what the american dream looks like i I think that we're going through uh sort of a social shift right but okay i would agree and it's just the way people view the world uh and and what we want uh what people take on of their own versus what people think ought to be sort of a shared scenario. So all of those are, uh, it's interesting, right? I mean, I guess this is a political commentary to a degree. It's like, how much of it should we all chip into the kitty and pay for versus okay. how much should when be on our shared, own? When you said shared, I was like, are we talking roommates? What are you talking no, here? So like, I wasn't uh, sure where you were going so with that. I was kind of waiting for it to unfold. Depending on your politics, people tend toward more personal responsibility, and like, hey, stay out of my business. I'll just deal with me, right? Versus folks that say, no, I think it would be, uh, and, and there's lots of ways to approach it, right? Some people are trying to say, I think it's a good investment if everybody chips more in. It's like, well, let's pay a higher tax rate overall, but get more social services in general, okay? And there's a ton of debate on that spectrum that you, you don't really solve it. There's not a right or wrong per se. Um, I have a really simple default, which comes down to, look, 
it's it's really easy to give away somebody else's rights if they're not important to you. But it's it's really hard when somebody wants to take away your rights. And if we think that way, then you kind of go to the lowest common denominator and say, well, then if my job is to preserve as many rights that somebody else would like to keep as possible, then I need to sort of legislate along those lines. Like, let me maximize individual freedom and liberty. So I feel like it's a little bit of a an income question or maybe as a um, leftover income question. I feel like when you are starting out, um, and again, this is just my personal opinion and kind of what I've observed, but like when you don't have any money, then it's easier to share, right? Because like you're you're not you're, you well, have a lot. It's easier to ask for. It's easier to ask. Or, well, let's easier go ahead to and redistribute for... because I'm a net recipient, right? Like right? like I mean, if you don't have much and you want to buy a bigger thing or support a bigger thing, then people need to kind of get together to get the bigger thing. But I kind of feel as you build wealth and kind of have your own means to sustain yourself, you want a lot less intervention, right? A lot less of people right. telling you how to spend your money. You're like, no, no, I got this. I can afford the thing now. So, um, you know, if you're and I, I kind of, I guess, maybe even view it more as age, like when you're younger and starting out and trying to build your career and stuff, it's like, oh, I'm going to rent an apartment and live with roommates because it makes more sense to share the cost versus as I get older, as my wages go up, I want to buy my own home and have my own stuff. Right. So, I, I mean, to well, me, so that's a good are, example. Those are economies of scale that come with pooling resources, right. I would say. But that's a little bit different because what I, would, what I would also suggest is that's a scenario that's voluntary. Right. Right. Versus a scenario that's compulsory where you say, okay, well, I have a government. The government has a stick. It can say you're going to do this or I'll whack you with the stick. Yeah, I don't like getting whacked with a stick. Yeah, well, most of us don't <laughs> really want that. No. So, uh, but that's that's part of the great debate of our day, right? And by so, the way, be careful because sometimes you vote for a bigger stick and don't realize it. So, yes. <laughs> make and, sure and you I, understand what you're voting for and actually read the information on it. So, this is kind of my take on when I when I delve into the political realm on this show. Oh, you love politics. By I the way. really do, but Me, I think not a huge fan. My well, my biggest thing is getting challenging people to think all the way through the issue. I like right. to say people need to play more chess and less checkers. And what do you mean by that when you say Chess that? Chess is a more sophisticated game. Each move has consequences, and the moves will create other moves as a result. And it's a more sophisticated game with more options. It requires recognizing that one move could potentially lead to several other moves down the road. So they're interacting with each other, and it's a more complex scenario of action and reaction. Versus the chain checkers, reaction is more complicated. Which is checkers, like you get to move left or right, and that's it. Checkers mm. is pretty straightforward. It's not as sophisticated strategically. You just kind of make your way through. And it's not to say there's zero strategy to checkers. I'm not trying to insult the checkers players. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but it is this idea that But it's chess, not as sophisticated as oh, a Chess strategy. is far more sophisticated. It is inarguable. Right. It is statistically, mathematically, in every way, shape, and form, a far more sophisticated game. And... I think politics for many people is they kind of think like, well, I like that idea. That's well, you should we should do that. It suits me today. Right. Not but I how go, is it going to well, look like ten that years idea, from now? But or how does it affect the other ideas and the things linked to it? Because you pull this lever and it causes a series of events that makes an impact somewhere else. And one of the challenges is in the legal system. A lot of times people will say, I want this thing to happen, and you go, okay, but. If I have this other application, I don't want it to work that way. Okay, that's a more sophisticated set of rules now because it's not a common standard. It's like, well, one-off for everything. You, it's hard to get to perfection. 
because right. people are constantly finding ways to locate the gray area. <laughs> right? True. Let me locate the gray area of the law. That's why we have judges. Well, because you're like, well, which, who gets it? Which way to fall on and this And also thing? to create law for a tiny spec, like a tiny minority of people, like being careful about the greater good or being careful about saying like, well, you know, this little section of society does something wrong. So we're going to create this law that affects everybody to try to correct this little section of society. And it may or may not be effective in doing what you're trying to do, but you may cause problems for the grand scheme overall. Correct. Che I didn't say Checkers that very versus well. chess. It's, it's that these things all are in, interact with each other, right? So that's right. our challenge. So let's, let's get back to home base then. If we're talking about the American dream, the first thing is it's going to be unique to you. But there are some things that are really in common. Now, I'm going to make a couple of assumptions here. and I'm going to build it around a very interesting question. Okay, And the question is, what is the cost of happiness? Oh. Can I assume first that, we would, that our American dream involves being happy? Well, is that a fair assumption? It's in there, right? The pursuit of happiness? Well, I mean, that is right? right in the Declaration of Independence, right? So it's life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Right. It doesn't say that you get there, but that you have the right to pursue it. Right. Okay? Very interesting words our forefathers uh, had. Very brilliant <laughs> words. I mean, very brilliant words if you think about it. But so if we have this baseline idea that happiness is part of the dream. Okay. Okay. So what is the cost of happiness? Oh, that's a great question. And I'm going to answer it after our first break. Oh, there you go. And that's the ah. music. Nailed it. All right. So we'll be right back, and we're going to get into this. First, what is the cost of happiness, and then how do we go about seeking that in our quest for the American dream? That and more when we come back. This is David Littlejohn. And Katie Shook. And you got True Wealth on News Radio 1240, KQEN. All right, gang. Welcome back to the True Wealth radio show uh we are talking today about the american dream and i'm going to totally do something weird at the end of this break that i don't normally do which is i'm going to give an unsolicited shout out to a local business Aww. okay now the backstory goes something like this uh the radio station does a radio auction okay okay and uh local businesses will donate items and in exchange, they get, they get advertising credit, yeah. right? So I um, I ended up buying on the radio auction a detail for a vehicle. And so I took it to B BL Performance. They're over on Diamond Lake Boulevard. And I got to tell you, they crushed it. Aww. Now, I've had... In a good way, people. Right, right. In a good I, way. They, they like they nailed it. They did they, a really did great, so excellent, well. super duper job. Yeah, and and it was. I haven't um, even seen it yet. Now I got to look at your car. It's like it was brand new. Uh, I mean, there are certain things you can't undo wear, right? Yeah. Like when you ding something, it's dinged. But you got old leather. It, it's gonna look like old leather, it but it can be clean so old leather. Clean. It looked better than it has ever looked since I bought it. Now we did not buy it brand new, but we bought it quite clean. But I've got you know kids and they have just ground everything they could i swear that my daughter in the back seat feeds the car french fries <laughs> it is just her thing like one for me one for the car and i'm like honey come on uh the but, best part is when they're petrified right like they're not even moldy they're just still yeah, hard and stale and amazing that uh, we have these like carbon dateable french fries <laughs> and it's so, so true. the car was just so overdue it was embarrassing but they did an amazing job i mean like 
it looks incredible. And well, so, that's good to know because uh, I, I can't speak about other detailers in town, but what I can tell you is they were boss. And I would totally go check them out uh, if you are looking to get your car detailed. So uh, they were asking me, you know, hey, how can I, you know, and so this was it. I'm like, all right, unpaid solicitation. In fact, the opposite. I paid for the service, was so happy. I still want you to know. Okay. You make a happy customer, they'll tell what is it? That's, they'll tell a handful of people you. Yeah, but you make pissed. a bad, uh, an unhappy customer. They'll tell they'll the whole tell neighborhood. <laughs> so, <laughs> so make them happy. Yeah, we have funny rules in our office, but rule number. Four, I guess. Yeah, they, the customer is not always right, but they but, must but be they happy. They must always be happy. We have people all the time that come in going, well, the taxes say this. And we go, well, the taxes don't really say that. But let's figure out how to get you where you need to be, right? Right. So, Which I like that rule because people fight like, oh, the customer should always be ha- be right. And I'm like, the customer isn't always right, though. Yeah. And, and the hard part is if we lived by that rule, then we could inadvertently be letting you blow up something that oh, would be wrong absolutely. and hurtful and to we, you. And we have. I mean, people have tried. And I think we've probably saved people from themselves at times. Uh, but but nevertheless, so... I know oh, a few instances where we've managed to save clients thousands of dollars by just explaining it to them. Right. And I did just get a Facebook question. The, the detailing that they did a great job, it was BL Performance on Diamond Lake Boulevard. They just kicked butt. Uh, so anyway, uh, again, reminder, we are live streaming today on Facebook. So if you want to look up me, just uh, Dave Littlejohn, uh, you'll, you can find us on Facebook live stream. And we're talking about how to live the American dream. And the first concept that we want to cover is that the American dream is going to be uniquely personal. And one of the questions that I had was, hey, uh, how, how much, much does, does it cost? Yeah, how much does happiness cost? Oh, happiness. Happy, happy, happy. Yes. Happy, happy. So Here's the thing. Uh, there's kind of a number to it. There is? I was shocked. Did you this. Google it? I Googled all over the place, looked for a whole bunch of different sources and sort of triangulated. And uh, depending on when you check the numbers from about two seven, 2017 to present, okay. uh, the the low end of the number was about 75000 to about 95000 So somewhere Now, is this there, annual income? Annual income for per a person single or person. Per, okay, so not per couple. At, no. Per, for a single individual, but as a couple, uh, you can expect it's not double that. It's probably it's, like 120, it's more, but it's not double, right? And here's the fascinating thing: when you do studies, what they show is happiness goes up in correlation with income until about that point, and then it starts to branch off, and and your income can keep going, and your happiness doesn't. And in fact, in some cases, happiness can actually you can sort of flatline, or you know, potentially get into weird areas because you start trying to keep up with the Joneses. It's one thing to have enough to sort of meet all of your needs and just sort of Well, sometimes you think like, oh, if I had a, you know, a newer, nicer car or if I, you know, my commute wouldn't be so horrible every morning or, you know, if I had something. But at some point you're like, a car's a car. Like you can buy a more expensive car, but it doesn't necessarily make you feel better about it. You snuck into something really fascinating, too. There were three points that... I was starting to make on our last show. One of them was, how do we measure the American dream too? And I had three pieces of advice. And one of them is go for quality over quantity. Right. Experiences over stuff. Okay. And relationships over transactions. Yep. Those are the three points. And so experience over stuff. What happens is the nicer car, that's a keep up with the Joneses concept, right? By and large, uh, the a car is transportation functionally. Now, I didn't say a new car. 
I said nicer. I, but this, I'm, I'm illustrating because you're, you're, you're trapping yourself here. I, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's, I love to drive. It is. I'll explain <laughs> that the car, by and large, is uh, there. You're gonna, you're gonna limit out on features. Like you're gonna really reach a point where the level of refinement and the level, level of creature comfort does not increase significantly more even though the price does right right it's like oh i want my car to go from being um sitting on my front porch quiet to sitting in the library quiet you're like okay well so to save the extra five decibels i'm gonna have to spend double the price of the vehicle to get there here's kind of where i was going with this i actually love to drive sometimes it doesn't show it but i love to drive um and having a comfortable car to drive in like I purchased my car over a year ago and it's little and it's zippy and I really enjoy driving hi guys but I used to drive an old beat up minivan so I've upgraded my vehicle which makes it more enjoyable to drive than what I was driving before now I did not buy a brand new car I want to state that I bought a car that was a 2012. So when I purchased it a couple years ago, it was still already over five years old. So it doesn't mean that I ran out and spent a ton of money on a brand new car. I don't believe that having a brand new car versus the year I bought would have made that much of a difference. And I think that's really the key. Now, but there, there are the difference that are between the minivan to what I purchased now. That was that well, made the difference. Yeah, and at one point you had a vehicle that was detracting from happiness. Yes, it was starting okay? to get to the point and where it was getting ready to fall key apart. Here on the meter, right? You go from like, you know what? I'm unhappy in this thing, but you're not going to get way happier in something else typically. So that's part of the issue: is know the difference between the stuff versus the experience. Because right. if you could have a nicer car or an awesome trip to Mexico, which one's more important to you right now? Oh, right now, the awesome trip to Mexico, because I'd rather have the quality time with my family. Yes, and because the car is going to wear out anyway. And again, we've talked about this on the program before, this concept of hedonistic adaptation. Yes. Great term, right? It just means that we quickly get used to the creature comforts in our life, become accustomed to them, and then we expect them. Well, and some of it also depends on your daily routine, right? Like if you have, so growing up in Southern California, if you have an hour or two commute every day, each way, mm-hmm. the quality of your car matters way more. Yeah, well, if you're going to spend half if you're driving, the day in your car, then you know you better you want a nicer car. It's a different level of utility. Right. Versus, it's like really comfortable socks, right? Right. Versus <laughs> if you're driving like a five-minute commute, you're kind of like, yeah, anything will do. Like, I could have really walked there if I was really motivated. Like, there's a huge difference between those two. There, so there I is, think sometimes what you're what you're doing in life also matters with how important those things are to you. Right. And, and what I simply caution people about is don't fall into the trap of rationalizing everything, thinking the stuff will make you happy. Yeah, a new car is only exciting for about the first week. (laughs) The stuff doesn't keep making you happy. And you could say, oh, if I just had this thing, it would just be the the cat's meow or whatever the kids are saying these days. Well, and sometimes kind of like fish, we grow to fill our aquarium, right? So like houses are a good example. Hedonistic adaptation. Right. So, but it's okay. I like my goldfish thing. All right. (laughs) But it it makes sense, right? Like when you're living in an apartment and you move into a house, you're like, oh my gosh, this house is so big. And then after a few years, you're like, oh, it's so small. We need a bigger house. So like, be careful about wanting to always upgrade your lifestyle because at some point, The upgrades won't make you happy. Yes. So I have another question for you. Okay. How much money does it take to have sort of a 
have it all lifestyle. Like, okay, money's no object. I could just go crazy. Oh, it, isn't it more than like five million or something crazy? Oh, you're gonna have to aim a lot higher than that. Twenty million? Probably higher. Oh, really? We're shooting over the double digits in the millions. We're gonna talk about it after this break. You gotta stick around to find stick out. Stick around number. if you want to know how much money is it gonna take for you to shoot the moon. We'll cover that more when we come back. This is David Littlejohn. And Katie Shuck. You got true wealth on News Radio 1240, KQEN. Hey gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. I am your host, David Littlejohn. And in studio with me... Katie Shook, your normal sidekick. Who, yes. Whose voice is cracking today, and I feel like it's an awful like going through puberty moment, sounds uh, like. Not that I am, because I'm almost 40, but it just... Yeah, I'm still blaming the, al- the seasonal allergies for the weird cracky voice. I, I still feel like you hear it more than anybody else. I do. Uh, so... We've got, now we're streaming live on Facebook, and I've got a, a really great comment. Uh, this is one of our, uh, he was a candidate for county commissioner, uh, ultimately bowed out of the race, but uh, was politically active and has certainly been, uh, I know he's a veteran and he's done a great deal of community service as well. But Dan Loomis is on Facebook Live, and he brings up the question that I posed to our Facebook Live audience, which is, uh, what do you, how do you define the American dream? And he says, uh, it's a moving target, first of all, but until you find contentment, yeah. you're not going to get there. Uh, now, I will tell you that contentment will never come in the stuff. Uh, frankly, uh-huh. this is going to be as close to evangelical as I'm going to get on this show, but <laughs> I will tell you. Preach that I it, think, David. Preach it. I think it's really hard to find contentment when you've got a, a faith gap in your life. You know, it, it, there's a reason that people struggle and fight with their creator. And so that, I think, is a real challenge that people have is they want somehow to legislatively fix the condition of the human heart. And it, and we're broken. You know, that's part of what re- the redemptive concept is. But again, this is the True Wealth Show. If you would like to, you know, hear Faith more can be about part of True Wealth, though, it, 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 I think it is. And I'm happy to give you my testimony as a Christian. Uh, uh, and so if you want that, by all means, reach out to me uh, outside of this program. Uh, but the purpose of the program today is not so much around that. What everybody can know, I'm not going to hide from my faith. Me right? I'm, I'm going to let the light shine. That's how that works. But I'm also not going to judge you or beat you over the head with the Bible for it. I'm going to tell you that that's not my role. Okay. My role is to educate. You know, it, well, in this program, it's to educate, but it's it's to disciple. But, you know, it's like making the horse drink, right? All you can do is say, look, it's up to you. I don't do the saving. All I do is provide what I can, and that's between you and God. So since we're kind of on a um, spiritual thing for a minute, I would say the best the best witness is someone who is doing, showing things without oh, having yeah. to tell you. Lead I feel example. like if you have to tell me how good you are or like, I mean, not, and then there's a difference between sharing your faith and mm-hmm. trying to convince someone that you are this super duper good person. Yeah. Like I should be able to see it through your acts. Apologetics is, you know, this idea of make a defense of your faith. You know, be, be, be prepared to defend your position. I'm certainly prepared to defend my position. What I'm not going to do is attack you for yours. Right. Okay. Uh, I mean, if you're wrong, I don't have to say, oh, well, it's okay. You're wrong. And, you know, kumbaya. I can still say, well, I, I think you're wrong. And here's why. But again, not the purpose of today's show. Nope. See me offline if you'd like to have that. Uh, but I'm going to bring it back around because okay. we talked about experiences versus stuff. Sure. Right. And um, and a couple years ago, I went on a missions trip through my church. And that was an experience 
that I actually had to pay for, right? So I wasn't sure. making money at it. And it was an experience that stays with me forever. So it's that is something that money can't buy that experience. And so there are experiences. But sometimes it's simple things. You and I both have taken our kids to Great Wolf Lodge, right? Experiences that we get with our children and memories. My kids still talk about Great Wolf Lodge, right? They get new toys all the time. And toys will come and go and clothes will come and go. Yep. David and I both uh, have all girls. So we, we live... <laughs> And doll, I doll and clothes. <laughs> he really does. But, you know, as much as kids go, oh, I want a new toy or I want a new shiny thing. You know what they talk about all the time? Going to Disneyland and going to Great Wolf the, the Lodge. It's their experiences. experiences. Um, and I'm going to take it one step further. One of the things that I vowed as a foster parent was to try to take every foster child that I've had to Disneyland to give them an experience that their parents may never provide for them. And at least they can look back on foster care and say, I had this really neat moment and it wasn't all bad. And so that was kind of my rationale behind it. But experiences are something that I think sometimes are harder to put a price tag on. We know what they cost, but what they actually meant to us was usually way more than the value. Right, well, and that's one of my primary pillars of how, you know, the, the American dream may not be how you typically define it. Right. Right. And so the stuff isn't what does it. But I did ask the question before the break, which is, what does it cost for a have it all lifestyle? Like, really, money is no longer an object. You just kind of basically do what you want. The, the joke that I like to say is it's not whether or not you have a yacht. It's how big a yacht. Okay, so okay, I already so said twenty money? million, and you said no. I said, are aim we high. still in the millions? Or are we in the billions at this no, point? No, no, we're still in the millions. Is it and triple digit millions? It is triple digits, right at. Is it right at a hundred yeah, million? Yeah, hundred million dollars is the Ooh. estimate of what it takes to live at that level of extravagance. And honestly, I believe that. That's I think crazy. at a hundred million dollars, uh, if you have a hundred million dollars, you probably earn interest alone of on average five million dollars a year even after paying taxes it leaves you three million dollars that means you're spending uh what several hundred thousand you know a couple hundred two hundred fifty thousand dollars a month yeah you can have a lot of fun for that so after tax i mean two hundred fifty thousand dollars a month you're like 75 to eighty five thousand dollars a week you do you're like 10 15 grand a day you're at a point where any typical services are within your reach. Uh, the only thing that could make it so that that's not in your reach anymore is if you just keep buying assets that cost a lot to maintain and you kill your cash, right? So, so what would be an example of that? Well, really quick? I, mean, like, I buy up 37 different houses and a bunch of jets. And they, you know, I can only fly one jet at a time, but I buy 10 of them. Yeah, like, you still have okay, to pay to service them and fuel you, them and Yeah, you bought 10 things that them. cost you money, and so you can actually spend more than that. But uh, And that's why people that win, like, you know, ginormous lottery. lotteries still blow all the money. Is because and end up bankrupt in, like, I think a year or two. Well, usually, it's, like, between two and three years. But, yeah, because they're just boneheads, right? I'm like, oh, you took zero awareness of the tax system well, or any of it? They finally you know? got to spend everything they wanted, but they didn't figure out how to have their money make money. Right. It's like it was well a melting ice cube. It's, yeah. Melting ice cube is the understatement of this. Perhaps that's ever occurred on the show. When you blow a hundred million dollars, you're extravagant and profligate. I mean, it's just waste. So you're an idiot if you blow a hundred million dollars on a personal level. Right. I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. If you can blow a hundred million dollars, you know what? You're an extravagant, self-centered loon. 
unless you donated it all to charity and causes. Right. If you spend it on yourself, you are a real piece of work. That's all I can tell you. And like you got some damage. If the you're hard part is, you know, it's going back to the happiness. They think it buys them happiness. And a lot of times they're more miserable than they were prior to winning in the first place or something. They're, you know, their happiness level actually went down after yeah. the win. People always associate happiness with money. But I can also tell you, too, we'll talk about large estates for a second. Um, you know, we have we have clients that have large estates and it becomes a full time job to manage the estate. Like it then becomes like they have responsibilities. Like you talked about having properties, having different things like you that becomes your job. Like people think, oh, they just have all this money and they can do whatever they want. It's like, well, no, somebody still needs to make sure that all the stuff gets paid. Everything is moving in the right direction. Taxes get filed. Um, yeah, and there's, so there's definitely more complexity. Uh, none of it insurmountable, obviously. And I will tell you that ordinary people build extraordinary wealth. Yep. The question, though, is so let's let's jump here from your American dream is to still accumulate some significant wealth, but also to get to that place where it's not paycheck to paycheck. How, yeah, I want a playcheck. How do you do it? Um, passive income. So I'm going to give you steps. There are seven steps, and the, the hilarious thing is you can go look this up. If you looked right now and went and searched Google and said, how to live the American dream, there is a WikiHow page that lays this out. <laughs> nah. -uh. I swear it is there because I pulled it, and I'm going to give you the seven steps they give, and I'm going to give you some bits and pieces that I think inform on this one. That's okay? awesome. So step one. Okay. From WikiHow.com slash Live the American dream. Okay. There's hyphens in there, right? There you Live go. hyphen the hyphen so forth. First, work hard. Check. Um, duh. Duh. Okay, that falls under the duh category. Okay. This doesn't, but it should. Number two, work smart. Okay, that can be a little trickier, but okay, okay. I'm now, following what along. That, what, so what does that mean? What does work smart mean? Well, I I have two things that I would throw into the mix that I think simplify it. One, uh, where you can become more efficient. Right. Okay. And number two, be clever. Okay. Clever's vague. It is right? a little bit. But the idea is do things that are not necessarily mainstream that uh, make you more efficient, make you more noticeable. Uh, you don't necessarily have to do things the way everybody else does unless that's required. Right. Right. Like, you know, if they say wear the uniform, Wear, wear the, the uniform. Yeah, you wear the uniform, okay? But, it's not like, oh, I got my own version of the uniform. It's like, that is not the uniform. But I'm going to take that one step higher. If you have to wear a uniform, make sure it is the cleanest, nicest, pressed uniform. Because when you present yourself well, people notice. And that usually can lead to pay increases. Yeah, so that is something that sort of falls under what we call the law of compensation. And this is the idea of if you do all the things right, work hard, do a great job, look sharp, do all those things, and your boss doesn't give you a raise, don't freak out, right? Because you, you know what happens? Your Somebody boss, else is noticing yeah, to you. Yeah, your boss is a knucklehead, right? Because bosses want to keep around great employees. Now, In that fact, doesn't mean you're going to get a raise every year or sure. every six months. It may be every few years. Well, you also have or, to keep in mind that at some point, even if you're a super awesome, great employee, you could be the world's best burger flipper, but... The There's value a cap on the job, value for yeah, it. Yeah, it's like at some point they go, look, I can get two burger flippers for the price of you. It's just 
I mean, you're great, but I can't afford to, you know, you like, you need to be cooking steaks too, not just burgers, right? Whatever the case, you've got to graduate and your skills need to move you up market. Right. So that's part of it is the work smart thing and just right. recognize the value of the job. I have said forever, and this drives people bananas, but people love to hate Walmart, right? They, they love to, the, the, the employment practices. And this thing really blows me away when folks will say, we should make Walmart pay more because look at all the people that are employed by Walmart that receive social services. They should pay more so that the government's not supplementing Walmart. And I go, hold up. Wait a second. Because you know what? Everybody that is paid at that same level would then qualify for government services. It's not Walmart. It's the value of the job. Well, and the part that I look at, too, um, is, you know, if... I want to say this without totally trying to get yelled at, but like if you're older and you haven't saved for, I know if you're older and you haven't saved for retirement or, you know, you're having a hard time making ends meet, people are still working and they're in the workforce and people that, you know, should not that they shouldn't be, not that they don't have any value or something to offer. They do. But like my point being is that they should be taken care of by then. Right. They shouldn't have to work. And so if you see somebody working I'm like, giving you the, the confused German yeah, Shepherd so look. I'm trying to. I'm looking at this and saying, first of all, like if you've saved and you've planned for retirement, then you then you ought to be fine. But yeah. when, when you're negligent, uh, we need first of all to recognize there's some personal accountability here in decision making, and also just because somebody has a job doesn't make it a good job. And I've said this before: if you can be replaced by a trained monkey or a robot, you're not particularly valuable in your skill set. You need skills that are harder to replace. Right. Okay. So uh, that's why reliability matters. That's why skills matter. And that's why you want to keep getting better. In fact, number three on our list of how to get to the American dream is get an education. Okay. Now I'm going to qualify this and say, uh, get the right kind of education. Doesn't always mean in a classroom with a textbook. Either. No, but oftentimes it does. In fact, it, studies it could be will online show, courses. It could be different things, well, too. Well, studies will show that people with college education earn more than people without, period. True. That's true. Just period. Now, there are exception stories to every rule, right? But on the mass level, people with a college education earn more. Now, I happen to be one that I pick on college education right now, not the value of the education itself. I think that experience is important. I pick on the system and the way the funding works its way through. I think there's some things well, broken. That's a whole different. That, and is. again, and we're getting into politics. I'm not, but. I'm not moving down that path today. But I will just say that the right education. Look, we have tons of uh, the, the trade school jobs that are unfilled right now. Tons of need for that. And we really need. This is the micro to, thing, right? Like he is pushing hard yeah, th- for people to get back into yeah, trade. That's the right kind of education because there's this huge need and people are getting paid for it. Oh, yeah. Look, They're making yeah. good money. Good, good money. <laughs> Absolutely. Being a carpenter, being a plumber, being yep. an electrician. So the point here is, uh, you know, you, you get the right kind of education. Now, the next one, and this one is more controversial. But before I freak everybody out, uh, this one I think we really need to think about as employees. Like this is the, this goes back to our comment about the uniform. Okay. All right. So, what do we need to know about wearing a uniform every day? What do we need to know? What we're going to cover after our last break. Ah, so stick good. around, and we will. I'm going to tell you like why do you care about if you have to wear a uniform to work? That. And some final thoughts on the True Well Show. This is David Littlejohn. And Katie Shook. You're listening to News Radio Talk 40.
that one, KQEM. All right. <laughs> hey, gang, welcome back to the home stretch of the True Wealth Show. I'm your host, David Littlejohn, in studio with me as pretty much always. And <laughs> Katie Shuck. Yeah, um, pretty much. Pretty much, yeah. So, uh, and if you are just joining us, a reminder, uh, this has been our show today is about how to live the American dream. Part three. Uh, and this one is probably the a good synopsis of the key points throughout that we've made over the past couple of weeks. But I will tell you, uh, check out the podcast, right? If, right. You, if you're just joining us, it's worth checking out the podcast. It's on iTunes. It's on our webpage at littlejohnfs.com. It's even on 541radio.com, but why would you go there when you can go to our website, which is way awesomer, uh, because it's ours. Because <laughs> it's say ours. That, right? Yeah, you know, a little nepotism there. Sure. Uh, so anyway, we're, we're going over the how-tos of living the American dream, and we talked about the three principal things that you need to know for defining your dream, right? Okay. Quality over quantity. Right. Go for experiences over stuff. Go for relationships over transactions with okay. people. And then we talked about the steps that we've been making our way through. And one of them is you got to work hard, but more importantly, you got to work smart. So find efficiencies and ways to be clever. And it pays. Step three, get an education. And I stress, get the right kind of education. Right. Right. Not just any education. Get the one that's going to increase your value. Right. You know, getting uh, the sociology of basket weaving is useless. Okay? <laughs> Nobody cares. That, right. that degree does not increase your value. It just shows that you know how to right. spend money at college and come out with debt. So we don't want to do that. We want to be smart about how we get our education. All right. So when we left at the break, you were talking about uniforms. I was talking about uniforms because this is the interesting one. Step four is be enterprising. Be enterprise. That sounds a little vague. It does. Remember, this came from the How to Live the American Dream from WikiHow, and I'm adding flavor to it for you. Enterprising. Is that like your entrepreneur? I well, see, this is it, right? It's it's essentially an entrepreneurial attitude, and I think there are three things that we need to know. One, if you work inside of another person's business, you wear their uniform. Okay. Okay. And so you need to you realize that you know you're creating value for their business. But that doesn't mean that you're not creating value for yourself. Okay. Okay. You work hard for them. Do a great job because if they're not going to compensate you to retain you, somebody else is going to notice and you're going to get snatched away. Employers poach good employees all the time. So when I first started working for David for probably the first two years, I think David got approached every once in a while and they, and they told me too, like, is he paying you well? Because if not, you know, we, we need to talk. And David was like, what are you doing? Get away from her. I know. You, you stop it, you vultures. <laughs> right? So so now what happens is we get Katie to a point where they're like, well, I don't want to buy her for that. So. <laughs> I know, yeah. Now I'm too expensive. But that's okay. Uh, but that's a good thing. But that also shows my value. And I was willing to be an entrepreneur, not an entrepreneur. And there's a difference. I've always treated Little John Financial Services as my own business. What would I do if I were in David's shoes? How would I want this business to grow? And I've shared ideas that have mm-hmm. been well-received. And by the way, doesn't mean that David always goes with everything I say. There's times when him, David as the boss says, mm, no, we're not going to do that. And I go, okay, he has the right to. He is the veto power, right? He's the king. So, But there are just as many times where I've said to you, you know what? That is a great idea. Let's work. Let's let's move down that path. Right. So owners, business owners are always looking for someone to kind of to have their back. Be that person. Be that person that treats the business as their own because then they feel safe handing over the keys. Exactly. So be... An 
entrepreneur or an intrapreneur. And here's the one that folks kind of forget. It is totally okay to have a side hustle. Yeah, okay? side hustles I, are good. Side hustle is a great way to help get to the American dream because Katie really sort of tap danced around this earlier, right out of the gate. Like, how do you live the American dream and how do you get there? The biggest thing I like to tell people is you want to get your passive income capable of replacing your need to actively earn income. Right. Okay. So passive income means that's the money that you generate by not not when you go to work. Right. Okay? It, it, you're making money even when you're sleeping. So things like rental properties, things like investment portfolios, things where you are able to draw income yeah. off of them you're without you having to go earn a paycheck. Right. You're a participant in the profit resources of other entities and people. Essentially. Right. Yeah. So that's the trick on that stuff. Uh, like landlords are not evil. Okay. Landlords provide exactly what a tenant's looking for. Is it for that moment in their life they need to rent a property until they can decide what else to do and to get to a different financial spot. So now slumlords are different. That's an ethics issue. But in general, like landlords, look, rental properties are great. Everybody, I have had a rental property in my life. So I mean, like I have been a renter. So that that is part of a normal transition in life. And so somebody and needs I think to provide those people those have things. been renters at some point, oh, yeah, right? Like so a lot too. of college students, fresh out of college, Absolutely. you're like, I don't know where. And by the way, sometimes it's a new job in a new town. I moved up here from Southern California, you know, and if you've ever listened to Dave Ramsey, who's also on this station, he even says like, you need to live somewhere for about a year to figure out what side of the tracks to move into. Yeah. So, you know, I think most people have rented from some point or another. Well, the point still is the side hustle is a great idea to develop other income resources. And the other thing is I love, I think that one of the keys to becoming, uh, to living the American dream is you, you need to have your own business because you get to navigate the tax code in a different way than non-business owners. Now, I'm not going to go into how that happens on this show or this podcast, but for for another show, we'll talk about why everybody should be why like why everybody should have a side hustle. Okay? But your side hustle could be your own business. That's what right? I'm talking about. Oh, okay. Why, well, about. So you just we'll, said you own your own business. Yeah, but. So, so we'll talk about that, just not on this program. But there are a few more things we're going to talk about from, again, WikiHow's How to Live the American Dream. Okay. Uh, number five, be thrifty. Yeah. Okay. I like it when you always say spend less than you make. That's essentially what it is. Spend less than you make so and David pay laughs, yourself first. Because I always say, is there a coupon for that? Like, I am the coupon queen around Little John Financial Services. Katie is fantastic about finding bargains. Right. There's just no way around it. She is killer. Well, I have always so, said I couldn't afford my lifestyle if I had to pay full price. So yeah. I like a deal. So she she is good. We've devoted many a program to ways to stretch a dollar. So you guys are very familiar. And if not, check out our former podcast. Number six yes. on the list. Devote yourself to your passions. This one is fascinating. Devote yourself to your passions. Okay. okay. Because what's implied is you you should be passionate about your work. Right. But that's not really what it says. No, it says, div so I'm gonna take it a, in a weird direction for a second. I love teaching. Mm -hmm. And so financial services are financial services, right? Like you may get excited about the stock market or not, but I enjoy teaching. And because I enjoy teaching, I enjoy the education component of working in a financial industry because I get to help yeah. you educate our clients. Yeah. So it's the teaching part itself. And that I think is the key that we're getting toward is, so you don't have to actually love your work. Right. But you need to do some things that you love outside of work or your morale is going to decline and then the other parts are gonna suffer. Right. 
right? Work can be a means to an end, but you still need to do the work hard, work smart, all those other elements. So don't throw in the towel on that. Uh, sometimes work is a conduit to get to your passion. And if you're blessed enough that your work can be your passion, I don't think you really work a day in your life. So that's the, per you really are getting to the American dream at that point. You know when but, your work is your passion because that's when you start to exceed 40 hours a week and still love it. Yeah, and it's, <laughs> it's not really a burden. When work stops being a four-letter word, you're kind of hitting your stride there. Right. So the, the last one on the WikiHow list is buy property. Ah. Now, specifically, they mention a home, and there's all these psychological reasons why. You know, homes can be customized, they're yours, it's essential accomplishments, it's a store of value, there's lots of reasons. But you heard me say this on the program all the time. I think that part of a comprehensive financial plan and investment portfolio includes property. That is an asset class. So well, and one I, of the questions I we like ask you property. is, how long is your mortgage and when do you plan on paying off your home? Yeah. Like part of a financial plan is when is it paid off and can you get it paid off before you retire? Right. And so, in fact, I've said on this program, it's a bold statement, but I think it's really hard to say you're retired if you still have a mortgage. Oh, there you now, go. Now, I will say that I, there are exceptions to that. It's not a full-blown blanket statement, but I think it's really hard to be retired if you still have a mortgage. Oh, there you go. Okay. So... That's it. But those are the seven. Now, uh, there's more to that in terms of how to live the American dream than just the seven on that list. Uh, That's a good list, though. It's a good list. And it's also what's more. Well, because it's uniquely personal, this is the closest to a sales pitch you get on this program. This is where a financial planner can help understand your goals and build to get to the American dream. Well, and help you create the plan. Sometimes right. you know where you want to go, but you don't have the map. Exactly. So the trick is if you don't have somebody in your life, find somebody. And if you are so inclined, you can give us a call and we will help. Oh, just give us a call anyway. 541-375-0898. That's it. And so with that, the music is playing and we got to get ready to rock here. So Katie, thank you for joining me as always. Thank you for having and me. Thank you, Facebook land. And thank you for all of our listeners out there on 1240 KQEN.